14. Would you go there with me? I said last night that I want to be practical. I, I want I want to share from the Word of God something that will work in November of 2023. If the Bible is an outdated, stale, mundane book that is that is is the time has passed. If the Word of God was written for the early generation and doesn't work today, we're wasting our time. If, if, if this book is 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 just good for David and Peter and them and James and John and Elijah and Moses and Jeremiah and Isaiah and not good enough for us, then then it's not good at all because the Bible will not be what it says. I'm glad that the word of God is alive. Amen. And applicable for every single one of us. So we're in the gospel uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. If you're physically able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? And the screens will help us if you don't have a copy of the Bible in your hand. And we'll look at this story and I trust God to help us. Straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples, verse 22, to get into a ship and to go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. That's not a good thing. You do not want to be on a ship in the water and the wind is contrary. That's not good. That, that, that means it's not blowing in the direction that's good for you. Okay? And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, He's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, that word means immediately, straightway. Everybody say straightway. That word means immediately. Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, there's that word again. Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Let the church say amen. Our Father, we pray you add thy blessing to the reading of your word, which is already blessed. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. Now, I believe in this book. I believe it has the answer to all of life's problems. And I believe that this congregation of believers in the building tonight Every single one of us can get what we need from this same book. God, I believe that. I'm not making that up. I believe it. Because I'm asking you to help me to give them what you've given me. Would you bind the devil, put a hedge of protection about this place, and may he in no way hinder the work of the Holy Ghost of God. Now, Father, about seven hours east of here, a little bit south, I ask that you watch over my wife and family while I'm gone. And that you take me back to them here in a couple of days, just as safe and sound as they were when I left. I beg you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Now, let me just make a few statements at the beginning of this message that I believe and I really mean. I would have loved to have been alive when Jesus was on planet Earth. 
I mean, live. I mean, like, like I, I'd love to be here while Jesus was here. Now, I'm enjoying him. He's in heaven, and I'm enjoying him. I've never met him face to face. I'm enjoying him. I've never seen him as a personal eyewitness, but I'm enjoying Jesus. But I would have loved to actually lay eyes on Jesus. You say, why? Because nobody did what Jesus did. I'd love to go to a wedding where they ran out of wine and Jesus turned the water into wine. I'd love to look at a man that had never seen his whole life. Jesus go into the clay, spit in it, put that stuff on that man's eyes, send him to wash in the pool of Siloam, and that man come back sink. I'd love to see Jesus walk up to lepers. Nobody touched lepers. When you, when you saw a leper, a leper was to announce himself as unclean so that nobody got his leprosy. A leper didn't hug his children. A leper didn't kiss his wife. A leper didn't get around his siblings. He had lepers. I'd have loved to watch Jesus walk up to lepers that nobody touched, touched that leper, and that leper didn't have lepers anymore. How to love Jesus, take a deaf man, get him hearing, take a, a lame man, get him walking, take a mute man and get him speaking. I'd love to see Jesus take five loaves, two fish. I don't know. I'm just guessing. It was five pieces of cornbread and two pieces of catfish. Amen. <laughs> and the disciples were passing out hot sauce and tartar sauce. Right. I love Jesus. Take a lunch that a little boy brought and serve 5,000 men beside women and children. I'd love to see him enter the country of the Gadarenes and be approached by a man possessed with so many demons that his name was Legion. He was naked. He was sleeping in the cemetery and nobody could chain him down. I'd love to take Jesus, see Jesus take that crazy man and have him sitting down clothed and in his right mind. I'd love to see Jesus move from him and go to that woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years, hemorrhaging so bad that no doctor in town, no amount of money, no medicine could fix her. She touches just the hem of his clothes and straightway she's healed. Now I love to see him go to Jairus' house where Jairus' 12-year-old daughter was dead and say to her, Talitha Kumai, damsel arise and watch that dead girl sit up and ask for something to eat. I'd love to see Jesus approach the tomb of Lazarus whereby was weeping and wailing and his two sisters were crying because their brother had died. And I'd love to see Jesus say, move that stone and say these words, Lazarus come forth and a man dead for four days in grave clothes and stanking get up and live again. I'm just telling you I'd love to be here and see it firsthand. Can I get an amen? This is what he's doing right here in Matthew chapter 14. He's on the heels of the feeding of the 5,000. Nobody does. Be careful. Be careful, please. Be careful that you don't read the Bible so much that you look at what Jesus did and relegate it to normal. And then turn Sports Center on and go, oh, I can't believe he dunked on somebody. Let me tell you something. You can't believe he dunked on somebody. How about the man that made him so he could dunk? Who was it that took the stars in space and put them up? Who was it put the sun hanging on nothing that it never fall down? Who was it that took from the dust of the ground, formed man, breathing the man's nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul? Who? was it that took the fish and put them in the sea? And who was it that made the sea for the fish to go in? And who was it that created mountains and daffodils and spread? Who was it that put the firmament and the, the light and the night to divide the, to the day and the night? Only Jesus did it. And I would have loved to be there. Be careful that you don't look at Jesus in the Bible and think it's a Disney movie, a Steven Spielberg book, or a Tyler Perry put together. This is Jesus and ain't nobody like him. On Matthew chapter 14, he's doing something again that nobody's ever done. He's walking on water. Nobody walked on water. You ever seen anybody walk on water? Just check it. I thought maybe y'all had something up here we don't have. Jesus walking on water. Say amen if it's amazing that Jesus walks on water. 
Let's try it again. Say amen if it's amazing that Jesus walked on water. But if I look at Matthew 14, and something is more amazing to me. Peter's walking I mean, for Jesus to walk on water is an amazing thing. Nobody walked on water. But after all, Jesus was God. You do believe that. I, he not only was God, he is God. He not only was and is God, he'll always be God. He didn't stop being God when he became man. There was the addition of humanity, not the ceasing of deity. But in Matthew 14, Peter's walking on. And it amazes me that the Jesus of the Bible was not only so great that he could do amazing things, but he was so great that he could invite others to get on, get in on the amazing things with him. And ladies and gentlemen, 2,000 years later, you and I are in a crazy world. Please listen. Peter did not walk on water on a sunny, calm day. Peter did walk, not walk on water when all of the circumstances were convenient. Peter did not pick the best time to walk on water. He walked on water when the boat was rocking and the waves were rumbling and the wind was blowing contrary. In the most inopportune time, Peter did the amazing thing and Jesus was proving to him, look here, buddy, you can do the impossible as long as I'm doing it through you and nothing around you can stop you. What are we sitting in? I preach to young people all the time. I remind them that three out of four seniors graduate without their virginity. 20% of 15-year-olds have been involved in sex by the time they turn 15. The United States of America requires parental consent for an aspirin, but not for a condom. We're legislating laws to kill the unborn child. We're legislating laws to blur the gender lines. We are ripping out God's definition of marriage. We are flipping up everything that God has called good and making it evil, and everything God has called evil and making it good. Could I just tell you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, while we sit at Landmark Baptist Church, out there in that world, the wind is contrary. Here's the problem. There's a generation of believers that are going, if the wind's blowing like that, and the waves are rumbling like that, and the boat's shaking like that, if I'm going to do something for God, now ain't the right time. I'll wait till the wind calms down. I'll wait till the storm settles. I'll wait till things are better. I'll wait till the, the White House changes who lives inside of it. And I'll wait till the laws are different. And I'll wait till paradigms shift. And I'll wait till the world gets better. And I'll wait till my money gets better. I'll wait till I get out of debt. I'll wait till the wind starts blowing to get out the boat. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have time to wait till the wind starts blowing. Somebody's got to be a Peter in Matthew chapter 14 and be a Peter in November of 2023 that say, wind never slowed down Jesus. Waves never slowed down Jesus. Lightning never slowed down Jesus. Storms never slowed down Jesus. Darkness never slowed down Jesus. Jesus is bigger than it all. And I wonder if there's a man, woman, boy, or girl under the sound of my voice at this church tonight that says, yes, the wind is blowing. Yes, the world is crazy. Yes, the circumstances are against me. But if God is doing great things, I want in on it. That's the message tonight. Notice in the text the desire for more. Peter's in a boat with 11 other disciples. And he's living the best life. He's listening to the greatest man speak. He's watching the greatest man do miracles. He gets 
to spend time every day with the greatest man. But he sits in that boat that night and says, if that's all that life has for me, it's not enough. I don't just want to listen to parables. I don't want to just watch him do great things. I don't just want to see him perform miracles. I don't just want to be a witness of his greatness. I want something more. As you sit in the building tonight, I'm asking you from where your Christian life is tonight, do you want something more? Notice his rare passion. His rare passion is to get up out of a ship when everybody else was sitting down. Do I have anybody in the building that'll do something for God when nobody else will? Do I have anybody in the building that'll step out beyond what your family has done? Do I have anybody in the building that'll do something that nobody else in your neighborhood? You can't wait on everybody to do something for God. Somebody's got to have a rare passion and say, if nobody gets up, I'll get up. Can I tell you, if all 12 disciples said, let us walk on water, all 12 of them would have walked. But the problem is most people won't get out the boat. I'm asking you on a Thursday night in Landmark Baptist Church. Anybody ready to get out the boat? The rare passion. If it be thou bid me. Notice the reassuring presence. Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. They thought he was a ghost. Raise your hand if you've ever mistaken Jesus. Now watch this now. Sometimes things happen in your life and you think, why is this happening? The devil did this. Sometimes it ain't the devil. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes God is allowing some things in your life to get your attention and thank God that when we get confused about what he's doing, he himself knows how to clarify his presence. Be of good cheer. It is I. It was between 3 and 6 a.m. as dark as it ever is at night and something comes walking up to them and they think it's a ghost and Jesus said don't you be scared it ain't no ghost it is I ladies and gentlemen aren't you glad Jesus knows how to clarify who he is the reassuring presence the the, the rare passion notice the radical plea bid me come unto thee here's what Peter said God let me do something great God, let me do something amazing. God, let me do something I can't do without you. God, let me do something I've never done. God, let me do something no one else is doing. I'm asking you, do you have a prayer life? Are you trying to do something great in your prayer life? Are you trying to do something great in your Bible reading? Are you trying to do something great in your marriage? Are you trying to do something great with your kids? Are you trying to do something great in your finances? You say, what do I need to do something great? You just need to spot Jesus and ask him for permission. I'm so sick and tired of Christian people that settle for mediocrity. Why are they trying to be great on the football field, great on the basketball court, great on the soccer field, great in politics, great on the stock market and Christians are okay with being average. Somebody's got to see Jesus and say, let me do something great. The desire for more notice, secondly, the director, the directive to move. <laughs> the directive came from an authoritative individual, an authoritative individual. The Bible says, and he said, who's he? Jesus. Peter didn't walk because mama said walk. Peter didn't walk because daddy said walk. Peter didn't walk because the president said walk. Peter didn't walk because his friends said walk. Peter didn't walk because the doctor said walk. Peter didn't walk because the judge said walk. Peter didn't walk because his lawyer said walk. Peter got out that boat and walked because Jesus said walk. I'm asking you today, in your Christian life, whose voice are you listening for? The problem is too many of us are moving off the wrong cue. 
trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to be like everybody and my favorite preacher and my, my favorite reader and my favorite movie and my favorite podcast and ain't nothing wrong with any of it. But ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to get out of a boat and try to walk on water, you better make sure it's Jesus' voice you hear. The authoritative individual noticed the awesome invitation and he said, come. What a, what a good gracious alive. What, what a pleasant sound to the ear of Peter in the midst of contrary wind and rumbling waves and the darkest hour at night to hear the voice of Jesus say, come. Are you hearing that at this revival tonight? He's saying, come on, start reading your Bible every morning. Come on, start getting involved in church. Come on, start letting me operate your finances. Come on, get out of your comfort zone and do something for God. Come on, start being a witness to your family. Come on, start using your social media to tell people about Jesus. Come on, start doing more for me. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody has got to be so in tune with the master that when he invites you to come, you hear it. The desire for more. The directive to move. Notice thirdly, the demonstration of a miracle. Verse 29, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, Anybody looking verse number 29 with me? Are you there? Say amen. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, what is, what's the next statement? He what? Walked on what? Say it again. He walked on water. Say it. He walked on water. Say it again. Now, I believe every Christian ought to read the Bible. You believe it? Now, I'm so, I'm so, listen. I'm so far out there. I believe that every Christian ought to read the entire Bible. Like, I don't think God wrote the whole Bible to us that we ought to be fine with only reading parts of it. So every day I read the Bible. When I get up in the morning, I read a proverb to match the day of the month. Today is what date? The ninth, right? So this morning I read Proverbs chapter 9. And then I flip over to Psalms and I read five Psalms. There are 150 Psalms, so I read five Psalms a day, so I read through the Psalms every 30 days. So I read one proverb, then I go to five Psalms. Then I go to the Old Testament and I read four chapters in the Old Testament. And then I go to the New Testament and I read two chapters in the New Testament. So that gets me through reading the Bible twice. This, this morning I spent time uh, in Isaiah and then I spent other time in 1 Corinthians. So by the end of December I'll be through up to Malachi in the Old Testament and through Revelation in the New Testament. And so I will have finished the Bible for the second time in 2023. You say that makes you a great Christian. No, it don't make me a great Christian. I just believe if he wrote the whole thing to me, I ought to read the whole thing. Now, since if you've ever read the whole Bible, you tell me whenever anybody else has ever walked on water. Now, somebody's probably standing on the side going, look at Peter walking on water. Oh, yeah. Somebody said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably got a daddy that walked on water. His granddaddy probably walked on water. Probably his great-granddaddy probably walked on water. Probably his great. You know what? Truth of the matter is, the way that boy walking on water, he probably got a whole list of generation that walked on water. The truth of the matter is, ain't nobody in Peter's family ever walked on water. Ain't nobody in the whole Bible ever walked on water. I'm telling you, he got out the boat and did something nobody has ever done. Do you have enough faith in Jesus to do something you've never done and nobody's ever done? You say you're a little radical in November. I'm telling you, we can't reach a crazy world before Jesus comes unless somebody's willing to get radical. To walk on the water, what a matchless experience. I, I want to interview Peter when I get to heaven. Tell me, man, what did it feel like? I don't talk to him. Ain't nobody else to talk to except Jesus. 
I mean, I can ask Paul about planting churches. I can ask Elijah about calling fire down from heaven. I can ask Jonah about how his accommodations were in the whale's belly. Huh? I mean, I can ask Lazarus what it is to die and come back to life. I can ask John what it is to be boiled in oil and survive and get sent to, to, to an island where he wrote the book of the Revelation. There's a lot of things I can ask. I can ask uh, Balaam what it is like to be talked to by a donkey, you know. But I can only ask one person besides Jesus when I get to heaven what it felt like to walk on water, and that's Peter. I think Peter would say it felt like nothing I've ever imagined for God to let me in on what he's doing. I tell you something, you may never walk on water, but you develop a walk with God. You read your Bible every day. You pray. You let God use you to be a witness. You learn how to follow God in a wicked world, and you're going to say what Peter says. There's no feeling like the feeling that God is letting me in on something he's doing. Right now, I'm sitting here on a Thursday night in November, and you think, oh, he's just up there giving some speech or reciting some sermon. No, I'm actually getting a chance to get involved in something God is doing. Ladies and gentlemen, the NBA players playing basketball tonight don't feel what you and I feel when we get to do something God is doing. It's a matchless experience, and it's a motivated effort. Notice the Bible says he walked on water, verse number 29, to do what? <laughs> That's what's wrong with people today. They don't want to do nothing great to go to Jesus. They want to do something great to be famous. I want to have a lot of people in my church so I can post it on social media. I want to go preach at places so I can say I preached there. I want to be a pastor so everybody knows my name. I want to have a big church so I make a lot of money. No, no, no. Anything great you do for any other reason to go to Jesus is not worth doing. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to be wanting to do something great for one reason. God, let me do something great so that while I'm doing something great, it gets me closer to Jesus. The desire for more. The directive to move. The demonstration of a miracle. We're turning the corner. Now watch this now. The distraction of the mind. Verse number 30, first word. Talk to me. Verse number 30, first word. That's a conjunction, grammatically. And a conjunction typically indicates contrast. Now watch this now. Things are going good. Can you see Peter? Oh man, would it feel good? <laughs> look at here, look at here. I ain't never did this. Wait, wait till my boys hear about this. Wait till I get back to fishing tomorrow and tell them, y'all, what y'all do last night? Well, we caught a couple of fish. What you do last night? Well, I hung out with the family. What you do last night? Man, I just rested. What you do last night? I walked on water. Well, it's going well. I mean, I mean, right about now, he has entered a category that only Jesus inhabits in all of Scripture and in all of history. Peter is the man. Go, Peter. Go, Peter. It's your birthday. Oh, I mean, he's walking on water. Listen, he's walking on water. But the Bible says, but when he saw the wind, boys. Now, now watch this now. Some, some, some Christian preaching exaggerator is going to tell us right about now. And just when Peter was doing good, a big gust of wind picked up. And when Peter saw that tornado coming across the water, 
He was like, this is not a good time for me to walk. Could I tell you something? That wind did not pick up and make Peter sink. It was blowing when he got out the boat in the first place. He didn't sink because the wind picked up. He sunk because he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the wind. A shifted focus. Look at me tonight. It's easy to do. I shifted focus. I get people tell me all the time. They give me 18,000 excuses why they're not doing right. I'm not doing right because it's hard. I'm doing that right because it's difficult. I'm not doing right because my wife's not right. I'm not doing right because my money's funny. I'm not doing right because I lost my job. I'm not doing right because I'm going through things. I'm not doing right because I got sick. I'm not doing right because the wrong person is present. You're not doing right because you took your eyes off Jesus. If he was good enough to get you out the boat and walk on water, he's good enough to keep you walking on water. You didn't go down because the wind got worse. You went down because you took your eyes off the one who got you going in the first place. A shifted focus leads us to a subsequent fear. Notice the Bible says, when he saw the wind boisterous, verse number 30, the Bible says he was afraid. Wait a minute now. Go back, if you would, to verse number 24. The Bible says, the wind was contrary. And while the wind was contrary, Peter got out, got out the boat and walked on the water. Why wasn't he afraid when he got out to walk on water? And now he's afraid while he's walking on water. I'm telling you, fear doesn't come because circumstances are bad. Fear comes because we quit looking at Jesus. He wasn't scared when he first started walking because he was looking at Jesus. He started being scared later because he took his eyes off of Jesus. And whatever in your life that is causing you fear is not because of the thing. It's because you're not looking at the one who conquers fear. A sinking figure. Yeah, 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 yeah. The shifted focus. Yeah, the subsequent fear. Now notice the sinking figure. Please notice the scripture, please. The Bible said in verse number 30, in sequence, he saw the wind boisterous, shifted focus. He was afraid, subsequent fear, and beginning to sink. Say that with me. Beginning to sink. Did it say he drowned? Did it say he drowned? No, what did it say? Beginning. Come on, talk to me. Beginning to sink. He started going down. That's what happens when you take your eyes off of Jesus. Somebody listen, please, tonight. That's why you, that's why you need to stay in church. Are you listening to me? That's why you need to stay in the Word. Because it doesn't take much to start sinking. I've pastored them. Oh, oh, oh it ain't no big deal. I mean, I, I mean, I'll get back there eventually. I'll get back to my Bible. I mean, it ain't no big deal to quit reading the Bible a couple of days. It's, it's not a big deal to miss church a little while. It's not a big deal to get in the wrong relationship. I mean, it's not going to last. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get my mojo back eventually. The problem is, the moment you quit looking at him, you start going down. The distraction of the mind. I'm closing with number five. The deliverance of the master. How many of you are glad that there are passages in Scripture that don't end with the bad part? And how many of you are glad that your life hasn't either? How does deliverance come? How does deliverance come for Peter? How does deliverance come for you? Because what we're talking about in Matthew 14 is right where we live. 
It's right where we live. We're living in a world full of distractions. And listen to me. If you want a reason to blame for not serving God anymore, there are plenty of them out there. You can, there's a bunch of people that aren't in church tonight that could tell us they're not in church because the world is wicked. They're not in church because there's wars and rumors of wars. They're not in church because there's a virus. They're not in church because the economy's bad. They're not in church because gas prices are high. They're not in church because marriage is under attack. They're not in church because their kids are being taught wrong stuff. They're not in church because the sitcoms are advertising illicit lifestyles. There are a lot of reasons why we can cite why we go down. But ladies and gentlemen, we go down because we take our eyes off of Jesus, and there's only one person who can save us from sinking. How does deliverance come to Peter? Number one, personal realization. Personal realization. Look at the text again. Verse number 30. Beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save. Huh? Huh? I'm going to tell you why some people won't, some people are going to keep on sinking until they drown. They won't admit they're sinking. Come on, but let's, let's keep it real tonight. Every once in a while, we got to take the halos off in church and show the horns. I've known people that wouldn't have sunk if they'd have cried out when they started sinking. I don't want nobody in my business. I don't want the pastor to... I've heard people say, I don't want the pastor to know that me and my wife having marital problems. That ain't his business. Well, can I tell you, divorce is public record. So eventually everybody's going to know. It's pride. I don't want to call them up until I'm struggling. Yeah. Eventually everybody in the world going to know. It's all over Facebook. But we don't want to admit it because we want to look like we have it all together. And we want to put forth an image that says we're something that we're not. Well, I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, when you're in the middle of a crazy body of water that's rocking and the wind's blowing and it's between 3 and 6 a.m. and you're going, that's the wrong time to be saying, I'm fine. I'm just down here just kind of getting a look and see what's the world. I sit to people all the time. They sit down in my office, man. You're dating the wrong person, man. You're looking at the wrong stuff on the internet, man. You're not treating your wife right, man. You're missing too much. I'm not sinking past you got, you got water coming out your nose and water come. Somebody's got to come to church on a Thursday night in November of 2023. I'm not asking you to tell your business. I'm not asking you to get a microphone and let everybody know what you're involved in. Just admit on this altar to a God who already knows I'm sinking. Personal realization always makes way for a prompt reach. Boy, I feel like getting happy right about now. I said, I feel like I'm getting, getting happy right now. Because this is my Jesus. Because watch this now. Come on now. We all know there are some people you admit you're sinking to and they make you feel bad for sinking. There's some people you tell you messed up and they dog you out and they beat you down. There's some people you pour your heart out to and you let yourself be vulnerable to. And after you tell them, you wish you never said a word. Don't take it personally, ladies and gentlemen. Dang Jesus, there's only one of him. But I'm telling you, that man who hung and bled and suffered for my sins, that man who's beaten, bruised, belittled, and brutalized, put in a borrowed tomb with Roman soldiers and a big stone in front of it, who got up from the grave with resurrection power, 
that man, when he hears you call out in personal realization, makes a prompt reach. The Bible says in verse number 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. And I've come down the road seven hours from Washington, D.C. to tell you at this church on a Thursday night that if you tell him you're drowning, not tomorrow, not next week, not after you learn your lesson for drowning in the first place, immediately when you call, he'll answer. There's a prompt reach. Watch this now. There's, there's a powerful rescue. Amen. That's good preaching even if I'm doing it. Not only, not, watch this now. Not only did he stretch forth his hand. This is in the Bible. I ain't making it up. The Bible said he caught him. I like that. I tell you what. We so dignified, so signified, so high sedity. We'd like to come up in here tonight. And I tell you while I'm here, I'm I'm here tonight because I've I've put years of time into studying the scripture. I've been in church a long time. I'm here tonight because the Lord and I have walked down the the the, the valley of the shadow of death together. He knows me and I know him. Jesus Christ is there. I'm here tonight because of all of the times I've read through scripture and I, and I've prayed and I've been a deacon and I've been an usher and I've been on the trustee board. I'm here tonight because I've been serving the Lord for a long time and he and I have just got a lot of experience. Come on, quit lying and shame the devil. You're here tonight because when you were just about to go under, he caught you. And somebody ought to give him the praise tonight. Amen. For catching us. Let him catch you tonight. Let him catch you. He's, listen, he's good at catching. He's been catching people a long time. He caught Peter. He caught John Mark. Listen to me. He caught Paul on the road to Damascus. And all of them spiritual giants that you look up at all the time and go, I could never be like him. Guess what? Behind all of that aura, he done caught them too. Wow. Personal relation. Prompt reach. Powerful rescue. Notice this pointed reprimand. <laughs> Ain't it like Jesus? I think this is where my mama learned it from. Oh, I'm going to get you out of trouble. But while I'm beating you and getting you out of trouble, I'm going to tell you all about yourself. That's what my mama did. That was the word. I mean, daddy just beat you. Mama beat to you and rapped to you in rhythm about everything you've ever and I told you not to do it, but you did it, bad boy. Don't make no sense to act like that in the store doing that around me. Brought you into the world. Take you out of the world. I'm just tearing you up. And it's just like Jesus. Come on, Peter. Come on, Peter. I ain't going to let you drown. But let me tell you something. You shouldn't have never doubted me in the first place. Don't get an attitude. Don't stiffen up. Don't ignore him. You need the fussing out. Because if all of us was God, we not only would have let you drown, we would have been telling you why you drown and why we let you. No, don't call on me. You ain't want to look at me. You want to look at the wind? Go on down then. You know that's how we are. Everybody tell me, I wish I was God. No, you don't. Wouldn't be nobody here but you. And then you'd be so guilty of all the people you killed, you take your own life. Then who wears God then? <laughs> Thank God we're not God. Wait, do you think I would let y'all treat me the way we treat God and y'all be sitting up in here tonight eating spaghetti? I'd have killed all of y'all. If y'all did me the way we do God. 
But there's something about him. He don't choose to love. He is love. He said, Peter, I'm going to get you. I am not going to let you drown, man. But as I pull your little sorry self out the water, let me tell you something about you. Oh, thou of little faith. Why you doubt me, man? Listen to me tonight. Come on. Let's... Why you doubt God? Well, it make no sense. God's not Joe Biden or Donald Trump. He's God. He don't have a pretty good track record. He's never failed. And yet, every time storms come, we doubt him. And then we drown. And then once again, he rescues us. Notice the peaceful rest. The Bible says when they came into the ship, there was a calm. Aren't you glad that Jesus that can pull you out the water is the same Jesus that can calm the storm? And then the persuaded response is where I'll close. And then they said one to another. They came and worshipped him saying, I'm a true. Thou art the son of God. I don't know if Jesus is more convincingly himself any more than he is in a storm. For the last three and a half years, ever since I was lying in the hospital almost dying of COVID, and these last three years when I've had to live weakened health. I've never, I've never, I've never been there before in my life. It's, it's, it's a valley. It is a file in my cabinet in which I have no documentation except these three. But he has been more real to me in my storm than ever. Ladies and gentlemen, it's dark out there. It's a storm out there. And the way I read my Bible, by the way, I'm not going to preach on this tonight. What's happening in Jerusalem and in the Gaza Strip and with the Palestinians and what's happening all over the world and what's happening with chips in our head and chips they're putting in dogs and trying to get all the currency of, of all of the nations on one world order. What's happening in our world today is what Paul and Ezekiel and Daniel were prophesying. Only now you and I are literally watching the Bible unfold before our eyes. We could perhaps be the last generation on earth before Jesus comes and the trumpet sounds. I'm telling you, it's not going to get brighter until the light comes back to get us. So just plan on darkness. But darkness should not keep you in the boat. Somebody. I'm not, I didn't come here to preach to Bethlehem Baptist, Cornerstone Baptist, Bible Baptist, Haven Baptist, New Testament. Those are churches I've preached in all before. I'm preaching tonight to Landmark Baptist. Because God has something to say to you. Now you're gonna work for wait for all the circumstances to get right, but you're gonna believe. If Jesus is here, and he is, it's time to get in on what 